0: Hi guys and welcome back to episode 5 of the In The Hood podcast with me, Neil Facker. Today we're joined by the legendary broadcast and internet video consultant, Mark Johnson. You'll know Mark from his work as a host on Studio Tech TV and his extraordinary 30-year career within the IBM in the UK. Mark now offers his expert advice as a consultant with TTFN TV. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. How are you doing today, Mark? I am doing great, and thanks very much for the invitation, Neil. It's uh, good to be here. No problem, Mark. Thank you very much for coming on. So, I mean, as we do on this podcast, we'll get straight into the questions, if that's all right with you.
1: Yeah, fire away.
0: Brilliant. So, how and when did you get started in the broadcasting industry, Mark?
1: Oh, now that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I suppose you could say that I've officially been in it for about 10 years now, Um, but as I've always been interested in in radio... Originally an engineer, and once an engineer, always an engineer. And many, many years ago, I actually had a small company with a couple of other people making TV transmitters. This must have been 30 something years ago, if not close to 40 years ago. A long, a long time ago. So, you know, I've been into you know broadcasting in in some ways. These TV transmitters were for radio hams; they weren't for you know radio or TV. And I was I had a career in IT, which was doing very well. But always kept in on, on with video and audio. Uh, you know, did video editing on the first Atari's that came out. You probably don't even know what an Atari is, but <laughs> it uh, it it was one of the first sort of home computers that allowed you to do uh, to do video editing. Uh, so we did that. I had one of the first portable video recorders, which was in those days it was like a backpack, like a small suitcase that you slung over your shoulder. You know, attached with an umbilical cord to the camera, and uh, you know, went around and 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 used that. Uh, I was actually uh, interviewed um, on uh, Thames Television of, of you know using that. One of the first people to use it, and with the amateur radio TV and stuff. So, so throughout the years, I've been into video and audio. When I was thinking that uh, you know that my time in IT had been great, um, and I was you know going to going to leave that and do something else because i'm not somebody who can sit around and do nothing can't just put my feet up so uh about 10 years ago i uh, left my the company i had been working for for 30 odd years and we started doing uh, stuff on on youtube about how you stream how you broadcast how uh, how you can connect an hdmi camera to something that allows you to stream instantly we started getting lots of people following it and then people saying well can you help me with this and and then the company started and, and, the, and the rest is history. So so the last 10 years, I've been more or less full time in it. And
0: uh, it has been one hell of a ride, I can tell you. So if we dig a little deeper into that, was, was there an exact moment where you decided that, you know, independent consultancy was going to be for you? I wanted to do something. and I wasn't quite sure what it was. And video and audio uh, had been
1: my love. The YouTube was just starting up then. It was uh, It was something exciting. And we started getting lots of questions. And I suddenly realized that I thought everybody knew what I knew, but we quickly realized that we knew a lot more than most people. And after the hundredth email on how do we do this, I thought, well, you know, I'm giving lots of people free advice here. (laughs) Why don't we actually, you know, sort of formalize it a bit and uh, put it under the company umbrella. And, And that was what did it. There was this need for information. I mean, I had, you know, CBS in... The United States calling me, asking me the best way of connecting Skype to their their studios so they could use Skype as a video in, input. We helped all sorts of big organizations. It was a need. I mean, we didn't set out to to make money or to you know to try and dominate something. What we wanted to do was to was to help people, uh, and and that's where it started. And consultancy is a is a great way to do that. And after thirty something years in the uh, you know corporate IT world it was nice to be your own boss.
0: Yeah I can imagine Mark so I mean what, what do you think is the main benefit for a company within our industry in particular for using independent consultancy?
1: I think the benefits are that we, we're not tied to anything and this has been demonstrated to me by you know several clients who said oh, we asked somebody to to do some work for us and they came out with this solution and know we're not happy with it and then you find out that some of the some of the consultants are perhaps not as uh flexible in there in what they look at or yeah it's easy to sell what you know and if you've had a good experience with something then you know that's what you tend to give to to your to new to new clients um but because we came in it differently we didn't we didn't have any sort of legacy any baggage that we were carrying And, and because we came from the streaming world we sort of came, I guess, from the low end, from the, you know, if we were looking at building a studio, we had a budget of thousands or tens of thousands, whereas a lot of broadcasters, you know, would have budgets of hundreds of thousands or or millions. So what we, frequently, what we say to clients is, this is the solution that you've you've type solution you've, you've had. But why not think about these new technologies? A lot of these technologies are effectively disruptive. You know, something that you know, five years ago or 10 years ago might have cost you many millions to do. You can do with a piece of software on a fast PC these days. So being able to leverage some of these new technologies, disruptive technologies by you know, adding value. And, and because of my background, I was also able to do multiple things. I've had clients who have said to me, oh, great. It's a great bit of work, Mark. We like what you're saying, but you know, we need to write the business case. and yeah, Over the years, I've written so many business cases. You know, we even write business cases for, uh, for clients to take to their boards or to, the, or to their owners. I think that being able to um, look at the market in a different way to a lot of the existing consultants has been very useful. I mean, the other thing we do is we try not to supply hardware. We're a consultant, but we also do engineering services, so we do go and help people, you know, rip out studios, put in new studios. Often they say, oh, well, can you supply all the equipment, Mark? And But we're not really interested in doing that. We don't want to be tied into it. And then there is always the thing of, well, are they then getting paid if you put in this system? I mean, a number of times I've been at, you know, NAB or uh, IBC or whatever. And they, people say, oh, well, you know, if you, if you get the sale for us, Mark, we'll give you a 10% or 20% of, you know, yeah, which is nice, and it would be easy to do that. But you know, we're always upfront with 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 our clients, so we try and do things fairly and openly, and, and we try and get the clients to to purchase the hardware. It doesn't mean that we're not involved in negotiating some of the deals, and you know, often clients will say to me, "Well, you know, you, you've saved us, you know, far more than than you've
0: cost us." You know, so which is which is nice. So I think you've already kind of answered this question, Mark with virtualization and the ongoing shift towards you know software centric um kind of instances in the cloud is this a welcome challenge for you and in, in, in the consultancy and how has it affected it it's still early days i i mean virtualization
1: i don't have a problem with if you're doing it locally i think virtualization in the cloud and cloud generally in broadcast is challenging um you know, latency, you know <laughs> I have one of my clients, we have sort of a hybrid. It's not, it's not really cloud, but we're using a lot of networks to deliver their solution. You have a, a link between point A and point B. And in this case, you know, we have a satellite downlink into IRDs. We're then doing, putting it into professional encoders, you know, streaming it across the internet to, a, to another place for, for switching. That latency on that link can vary between you know, one and a half seconds on a good day to four seconds the next day. And if you are then trying to schedule, you know, accurate switching <laughs> with those sort of uh, uh, delays, it is impossible. I mean, we, I'm sure that the link links are getting quicker, but you almost need to be able to dial in a delay and just say, "I don't," you know, "let's just say it's ten seconds." So there's always something, and it's always ten seconds. Then it will work, but we're we're not there yet. So this whole this whole thing about cloud, I, I think, is. It is exciting. I saw that a couple of companies have been talking about what they call hybrid cloud, which isn't just having everything up in the cloud, but you have a mixture of local hardware and some stuff in the cloud. And there's some exciting stuff. But again, if you're in broadcast, if you're, in, you know, you're trying to time to frames or fractions of a second, there are challenges. Uh, some, some of it is good. I've looked at doing switching in the cloud, not convinced yet. Uh, I think it's getting better and it'll be there. But it is, it is exciting, but it's still early days. But you have to keep an eye on it. You have to know what it's good for. You have to understand if you're going to use it, what are the impacts on on your business? And we had another client who their station ident, you know, was meant to go out at exactly the same time every day. And because of latency, <laughs> you know, it overran on top of other things. And it, you know, there's, there's nothing that can get your viewers more agitated than getting an ID come up as the news headlines are rolling, I can tell you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I could imagine. Um, So, I mean, following on on that, how has the recent situation with obviously the the global pandemic and COVID nineteen impacted consultancy within our industry? You know, is there anything from your perspective you can you can offer?
1: A couple of things. First of all, I have enjoyed not travelling.
0: Haven't we all? Has somebody
1: somebody in twenty eighteen spent twenty four weeks out of the country? It is. It, it was. It was nice. Luckily, I, I, I cut it down a lot last year. <laughs> so I realised that that was too much. I mean, one of the things we do is we're global. I mean, we help people you know, around the world. We're not. We're not UK centric. We're not European centric. We're global. I have, I have customers a lot over towards the the west, of the Americas, and things. But uh, I've, I've helped people all all over the world. You know, and travelling is part of it. And with new clients it 's a problem because once you 've established a relationship quite often you know, and you know you know them, then not meeting them is is fine. But with new clients, it can be a little bit uh, a little bit difficult traveling is is one aspect that has changed, but the other aspect is actually it 's come to our strengths which when we help with engineering deployments, we make sure that we can access all the critical systems remotely. We build for for any client that's you know reasonably large we build our own dashboards that basically lists all the systems within this um, this broadcast so there are a tv and radio broadcaster i can log on and uh, adjust their television transmitters i can go and i can actually switch their one of their, their radio stations you know i can go into their network and in, interrogate their network being able to do this remotely has been has been great because you know things have happened that we've been able to to go and and fix remotely it's not always an advantage when you're sitting down at 7 p.m on a saturday night having a nice candlelit dinner as happened last year to me uh, with my wife and uh, you know the phone goes off and you know it says radio station is off the air <laughs> but you go up to your room you open the dashboard you you get in and you know a few minutes later the uh, the system is 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 up and running we were sort of prepared for this by putting in all these systems, by being uh, ready to, uh, uh, you know, to be able to adjust things remotely. Has has worked uh, well with us. Many times it's it's been an, an advantage. We haven't seen, you know, many new clients. I think a lot of people are. Uh, we have, you know, customers whose revenue has been seriously impacted, obviously by by COVID. So they're they're spending less. And I think what will happen is that will eventually lead to more interest in what we offer because we try and be, sort of, be disruptive, use, you know, lower cost solutions, being able to do things remotely uh, You know, it, it's, it's part of our, our value proposition, which is uh, it, customers really like.
0: So I mean, going off that topic a little bit, how do you see the future for TTFN TV going forwards? Uh, and <laughs> it's such a broad, broad question, but
1: it is a broad question. I'm, In a way I'm worried because having just said what I, what I've said, I think we're going to start getting a lot of more interest. Now we are careful. We only have a handful of clients and the reason that we only have a handful of clients, we want to be able to offer them top notch service. You know, so when something happens at 7pm on a Saturday night, and even if you are sitting having dinner with your wife, you still fix the problem for them or you tell them how to fix the problem. We're starting to see a little bit more interest, you know, in in these sort of sort of services. So I'm I'm partly worried because I think we might get a lot more interest. Now, to that end, the way we work is we have a couple of us who are, you know, available, you know, most of the time, as it were, and then we have a network of our people we want to work with. We have, you know, if somebody wants to look at studio sound, how to how to make the best sound on TV, we have one of the top sound supervisors in the world who is is on our books as it were we just get him involved if people want to, you know want uh, something installed we have some great engineers so you know we know people that, and, and and we bring them in and um, what we want to make sure is that anything that we offer to do we can we can we can do well we're also a little bit worried about brexit and we do work in in europe and i guess I mean, none of us you know, whatever your views on brexit we don't know how we're going to be able to work in january you know <laughs> so that concerns us. You know, I, I I think that we're going to see you know an increase in demand for our services, no doubt about it. Um, it is going to be it's going to be interesting. I, I think some broadcasters aren't going to survive. I think we're you know, starting to uh, starting to see that. We want to be in a position to be able to help people help them well. It's going to be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is more more of a personal question for me. But will we be seeing a, a much needed return of Studio Tech TV on YouTube anytime soon?
1: Oh, oh, you and hundreds of thousands of others—seventy and 17,500 subscribers, I think, last time I—I uh, I looked. So, so for those who don't know, when you know, ten years ago we started doing these YouTube videos, and it just—it just grew. It grew and grew, and then we, we were growing our uh, consultancy along alongside that. You know, slowly at first. I think we did hundred and fifty live every Tuesday night. It was a live live broadcast. That's three years, and we only missed. Christmas and New Year. It was three years. And we did a lot of other, you know, reviews of, of, of stuff as well. Uh, I think we got four or 500 videos up. And then what happened was we just got so busy, we didn't have time. Because as as you know, even for, a, you know, a podcast like this, you will have spent time thinking about the questions. And our rule of thumb was for every hour of live video we did, you needed a day to prepare for it. It's a bit like they say that, you know, in the in the editing world, it's meant to be an hour for every minute of finished video editing. I've luckily never spent that long, but I, I can see if you were grading it and doing everything is probably right. So it is something I would love to do. Unfortunately, my, uh, uh good friend and colleague, uh, Peter, uh, who helped me with it. He unfortunately passed away last year. So in many ways it, it, it wouldn't be the same doing it without him. Um, uh, it is something that you know we keep revising. I keep, I be, I, I get asked every week, when's it going to come back? You know, maybe we'll do a, a special or something. I don't think it's going to come back on the regular basis. But it, but it was a great ride, and there's still a lot of really useful information in there. People looking at products, etc., and it's it's still very popular. So, um, you know, just check out the studiotech.tv TV website and
0: see what's there. Um, but don't expect anything new too soon. <laughs> Sorry about that, Neil. That's quite a right, Mark. Like you said, there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes action and work that goes into it, isn't there? Yeah, there is, and um, you know, to make it look
1: natural is uh, is what we were trying to do. And yeah, the more preparation you do, the more natural it looks. It's...
0: <laughs> I've got you. You guys really pulled it off. Yeah, well, you really pulled well, it off. Well,
1: Thank you. And we were, you know, we were doing something quite revolutionary in the days. You know, we we had uh, you know Vance in the US, so we had. You know a live link, so we understand latency, but we got that latency down to a second second and a half, and you know it was great to be able to do a, a you know a live show with with somebody four thousand miles away most of the time it worked great i mean just occasionally the the internet gremlins got in the way, but that is something you just have to uh, put up with so and, and I think that people saw that and thought and and thought that it all looked natural and, and probably thought it looked you know it looked easy you know a lot of people then got in contact with us well how how do we do it, or how do we do it for our our business? So I've helped major corporates, you know, in in around the world, several in the UK, some you know, big organisations in London who want to say, well, how do we do this for our members or for our community? It was a ride, and,
0: and if anybody you know hasn't done it, you know, you should challenge yourself just to see, um, you know, what it takes. On a different note, what is your opinion on the kind of virtual events and the shows that have been popping up in the uh, the last few months? I love and hate shows. I don't know if, you, if you're the same. I, mean, I love the idea of them. I
1: love meeting the people. There are some great people in, in the industry. I mean, some fantastic people. Made some really good friends in the industry. And it's always lovely to, to see them. Do we actually need to go to these shows to find out the latest technology? Probably not, to be honest. And in fact, a few years ago, I put forward a proposal to of doing a a virtual sort of showcase. I mean, not a you know, if you're in radio, there's a bunch of I don't know of ten probably companies that you want to hear about. If you're in TV, it might be a little bit bigger. Or and put together you know, interest in a, in a uh, plan for a virtual showcase for one particular company, and they decided not to do it, which I, th- I thought was a shame. But I think we're now going to be seeing that you know, in the way that people are, are working from home and find that acceptable. We'll, we'll see how, how IBC goes. But it's nice not to have to travel. Having been to Las Vegas, well, I, I went to Las Vegas for years for a show called Comdex, which was the big computer, the PC big event. I did that for years you know, when I was working in IT. And then when that stopped, I thought, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to go to come to Las Vegas anymore. Then I ended up going to NAB in, in Vegas.
0: And There's no escape, Martin. No escape. No,
1: no escape. And you know, and the, the worst one was where I, you know, I booked into the flight, and yes, I was in the middle seat between two big guys, you know, uh, for 10 and a half hours or what or what it was. So I was always a lot more careful with booking my seat after that, <laughs> and didn't didn't mind paying the thirty pounds or whatever it was to get the the the, 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 the comp- firm seat but had some had, had some great times there so uh i would be interested to see how you know how i how ibc does i think being able to showcase your products is important how do people you know learn about them otherwise um, and like a lot of people you know i get lots of you know press releases but you know you need to be able to see it and uh, uh look at look at the back panel and have somebody explain um what it what it does but how you then get answers to your questions, because there's always, you know, a question that you have that they don't address. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting, which I think we'll see, hopefully we'll see more people putting up videos as well. I, I'm actually amazed how the broadcast industry hasn't really used videos yeah. in its marketing <laughs> and, and support. you think they'd be the, the first. It's a bit like, you know, the cobbler's children have, you know, have bare feet. You know, they, they don't think about it don't think about it for themselves they think about it for uh, um
0: for for others yeah no i agree completely agree
1: i mean i did a lot of work for for one you know big multinational company who's you know been incredibly busy uh, recently because of of covid but they uh, it was their support organisation that got hold of me because they were finding that they are getting support queries and they got you know they have they have quite good systems that say you know the top 100 questions this week are you know these five uh, or top you know the, the top the top five of the top 100 questions are, are these and they say so what we want to do is to put a video up for these top five questions every week because then we can do one of two things either people will hopefully through our systems find it through self-help or we can say that's a really good question and if you go to this website click on this link there's the answer to your question so the support call either disappears, or it becomes much shorter than having to talk people through. So um, it, it isn't, yeah, so it isn't that they're not, not this company was non, non-broadcast, but they just saw that that's how that video could help them. And I'm surprised a
0: lot of broadcast companies <laughs> don't use video to help them as well. I think we might see more of that. For me in particular as well, if I've ever got any issues or queries, I'd, I'd like to go and find the answer myself. I like to put in a bit of work you know, watch a video, get it sorted ASAP. Um, and that's the way I like to do things. So now I completely agree. The, the investment is worth it in, in, in
1: those sort of things. And so I think, again, back to the question about, you know, IBC, I think they're going to have to put up, if they really want to get people to understand the product, they're going to have to do additional things. And whether that is they get somebody, you know, and they do like a Q&A session about it or something like that, they're going to have to. Hopefully the shows will come back. I think a lot of them will be very different and maybe not as uh, odd as big, but we need an excuse to get together
0: occasionally once we're, it's safe to do so. So, I mean, another really broad question. From your perspective, what do you think lies ahead for the future of the broadcast technology industry? We, we tend to ask people just to kind of sum it up in one word if you can. Uh, <laughs> but feel free to say whatever. Okay. One word will be Turmoil. That's quite a serious word, Mark.
1: I think, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, I think. yeah, we, we talked about a lot of the reasons that, you know, with COVID and I think why things will be different now. If you look at it, you know, advertising revenues are, 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 are down. The industry is moving. You know, broadcast engineers now also need to be IT engineers. They need to be network engineers. You now, it is all moving to IP. I can't tell you the enjoyment I have had going into, for example, radio studios and putting in new infrastructure, you take out a bundle of cables that is literally, you know, four or five inches thick, you know, 15 cent- 15, 13, 15, centimeters thick of cables. You take this all out and you put in one bit of, you know, category five ethernet cable, or well, you probably put two in cause you never put one in. You might as well put a spare one in just in case. Um, a lot of the, engineers we come across are scared of this, of course, because they don't understand it. They know how to solder XLRs on and to do patch panels. But you ask them to configure a switch to support various protocols, that there is a lot of change there. So not necessarily change of staff, but a lot of training, training needed. The other thing I think is it has to change is that systems need to be more open. They need to be able to interconnect. I think the days of the dinosaurs are over in the broadcast technology world. If you don't adopt standards, whether it's, you know, the latest IP standard for video or for audio, if you don't allow your system to export, you know, the playlists in the right format or or you don't allow them to do it innocently. I mean, you you'll know who I'm talking about, but I have clients who, if they want to adjust a playlist, you know, it's a minimum of a thousand dollars to get some consultant just to just to tweak something. Yeah, I, I have never seen a quote for tweaking something from some of these big companies of less than a thousand dollars, and normally it's two, three, four thousand because they have they have to test the one line of code that they've had to change. Um, so you know, I think those days are going to going to come to um, come to an end, and you know, costs of technology are going down, and you know, performance is going up. I, I, I sat on a plane to IBC next to a guy who I won't name, lovely guy. He was CEO of a company that makes switches and switch control services. What he does 99% of the time is worry about the cost of the switches. That is the single thing that affects his, uh, his, his cost base. You know, When you can replace a lot of uh, interfaces with touchscreens or just get clever, um, they probably only sell tens a year or maybe, you know, maybe fifties or maybe, you know, hundreds, but they don't sell very many, but they have to be high profit margin. And I think companies like that are, you know, they are just going to have to adapt new technologies to get their costs down, to do things differently, find a way of using their great knowledge skills and resources to bring in, uh, in other products. So I think, you know, with all that, with, <laughs> with COVID, you know, decreasing advertising revenues and need for networking skills, the fact that I don't think people will buy solutions unless they can interconnect and be open, costs going down, you know but performance going up. I think terminal's a good word. I don't think it's a particularly harsh word. I think you need to be to be to be ready for it and you can't ignore it. It's scary and exciting all at the same time, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, well, but anything like this gives you opportunities. You know, uh you know, look at COVID. Yeah, it's been scary, especially scary in the early days, especially here in the UK, right? You know, where we're told to stay at home, not go out, uh, etc. But on the other hand, it's given people opportunity to, uh, to to do other things, to work differently. so there is a lot of opportunity, and the companies that are agile and see it and will take advice and you know from multiple sources, I'm not saying that I know I know everything, but you know they can take advice from me and other people and and look at you know the way, where their business is going and just, and just be prepared.
0: In terms of TTFN TV, are there any exciting projects in the pipeline at the moment that you can share or is it all confidential? Or? You know, OTT, a lot of
1: people interested in OTT, a lot of broadcasters interested in OTT. So I've been doing a lot of work with various platform providers, uh, you know, all the big names and some really quite innovative uh, smaller companies looking at how we do that a lot of the issues around there are sort of a, a more paperwork either right? licensing issues and, and things like that you know, you know having to geo block stuff and, uh, and and what have you so that is uh, that that is really interesting um, you know the other sort of related challenge to that is it's to do with the fact the way that people are watching television and, uh, now a lot of people you know don't even have a tv these days i mean my i, I have you know two daughters both yeah, both working um, and you know, actually, one of them has now got a got a TV because a, a fiance has one. But they you know, they up until then they didn't have a TV. They watch what they want when they want. So being able to have both sort of uh, linear play out and play out on demand is important to to get to both audiences. Because if it, you know not everybody wants to watch the news at ten o'clock at night. You know, we were, I was the way I was brought up. You know, the news was on at six and ten or whatever it was, six and nine, I think, in those days, and. And that's how you got your fix. But now, you know, people want to watch the news when they want to watch the news. Or they want to watch that movie when they want to watch that movie. There are also lots of people who do like having a, you know, a, a linear play out of stuff. So you need to be able to do both. But how, how do you deliver to both? And I have to say, we probably watch more non-broadcast sources than, than we do broadcast sources. I mean, YouTube, there's a lot of really good stuff on YouTube now. I mean, a lot of people are doing very well on, on YouTube uh, and producing some good and interesting stuff. Yeah, you know, obviously, as well as Netflix and BritBox and all these other sources. So, uh, yeah, so OTT is uh, is is interesting because you know you need both linear and uh, on demand, which it can deliver. So that there are there is some in- interesting uh, interesting stuff around and uh, stuff that we've been able to do without travelling,
0: which is just as well. <laughs> I'm starting to get the feeling you're really glad that uh, you know the commuting aspect's been taken away, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got. Um, I'm not sure
1: it was a badge of honor or a badge of gold, but on one of the airlines, I got their top, you know, tier membership, you know, so I had a sort of a gold card on them and which brings nice, lots of nice, you know, benefits, but it's not really what you, what you want. And the thought of going on a plane at the moment is not the best thing of uh, I want. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think everybody's going to be looking at how can we, you know, how, how can we do things, you know, more, more remotely, but on the other hand, we think we all still have an urge to travel to some extent. So hopefully it'll be safe to do so, if not too soon, I If
0: anyone's interested in what you're doing, uh, they want any advice or, or you know, want to inquire about consultancy, where can they best get in touch with you guys?
1: Yeah, well, they can either email me, which is mark.johnson at ttfntv, or they can look at the website, which actually is is studiotech.tv, or you can put ttfn.tv and it'll just redirect you. And if you go to the top right, it says something about, you know, uh, inquire about services or services offered and, and that's also where, you know, most of the videos are, are, are available. So, yeah, the way we normally work is, you know, we'll have a chat with somebody, talk, talk things through, you know, and say, yeah, I think we might be able to help and, uh, you know, take it from there. So, yeah, if people want to get in touch, want to find out what's, what's disruptive and what might be able to help them, yeah, happy to talk.
0: Excellent stuff, Mark. Thank you very much for coming on and speaking with me today. It's been really great. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been nice to be back in front of the microphone again. Thanks, Neil. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye.